Children's Institute recently worked with Echo Northwest on a cost analysis of early childhood programs in Oregon. These estimates outline the costs for expanding a range of programs for existing eligible populations. As state policymakers begin to grapple with adequately funding early childhood programs and services over the next two biennia, this work is intended to spark a conversation about the long-term, multifaceted investment needed in early childhood to ensure young children get the supports they need to nurture their minds, keep them safe, and prepare them for success in kindergarten and beyond. The numbers presented in this segment are estimates based on the most recent data available. The work was led by John Taponia, president of Echo Northwest. Here's the full interview. I'm here today with uh, John Taponia, president of Echo Northwest. He has spent significant time working on education, healthcare, human service, and tax policy. Uh, and some of his work on education involves the use of student-level data to evaluate programs. Uh, one of his recent projects has been working to complete a cost analysis of early childhood programs in Oregon. And when we say early childhood, we're really talking about programs that serve children in families uh, that are aged zero to five. Things like preschool, childcare, home visiting. John, welcome to the Early Link Podcast. Thank you. Talk to us about your approach to the to the analysis of costs. What were some of the assumptions that went into your modeling and how did, how did you get started on this? Right. So, you know, the first step was trying to figure out what what kind of programming are we talking about? And then how many children are being served now? Those are sort of your first first two big steps and served with what? So we did go through a, a number of sort of high-level programs. We have preschool, uh, generally for three to four-year-olds. That is delivered in a variety of different ways in Oregon through the Federal Head Start program, Oregon Pre-Kindergarten, and the Preschool Promise program. Uh, a sizable program that in Oregon is called Employment-Related Daycare. So it is uh, child care assistance subsidized uh, to uh, low-income working parents. Uh, we have a, a program of special education for very young children that's before school, there's obviously also a special education program in uh, K-12 schools, but federal programming that is provided before children enter kindergarten. Uh, home visiting programs, uh, sometimes de- delivered by nurses and uh, and others. And then a, a, a set of programming that uh, really doesn't exist in a, in a broad scale in Oregon, but uh, sort of a hybrid of, of home visiting that would be a parental uh, work groups or parental play groups where p- parents and children would be convened uh, periodically and sort of do a, a, you might call sort of a lighter touch of, of home visiting. And then, uh, and then we looked at uh, relief nurseries, uh, which are a specialty in Oregon as well. So, so looked at, uh, at, at those major areas and then had to sort of step through and say, um, how much of the service is going on now in Oregon? Uh, how many kids are being served and at what cost uh, are they being served now? And uh, how many would we ideally like to be served and at what cost right. uh, per child? Right. So what, how, would you, how would you describe where Oregon is right now? What's sort of the baseline in terms of right. how many kids are, are getting these kinds of services and what's that, what is that cost in the state? Right. When we added it up, and it was harder than it should have been, uh, be- because it there isn't really a uh, what you would call a formal coordinated system of uh, early childhood program in the state. You've got, uh, like I said, sort of the federal government is uh, sending money directly to providers to provide the federal Head Start program, 
Oregon as a state is funding the Oregon pre-kindergarten program. The federal government helps the state in funding the employment-related daycare sure, program, et cetera. Sure. In some cases, the early the home visiting program is being delivered by uh, local governments uh, with state money, but at their direction and their sort of governance and, and decision around how much of what and where, et cetera. So consequently, what you don't have that you do have in K, you know, in K-12, all of these are sort of under the purview of, of, of the state in terms of governance and then right. local school districts, et cetera. And there is a, a huge data collection exercise that goes on. You need to know how many students you have. Are they showing up at school? What are their discipline records, et cetera? And all of that information is reliably collected along with test scores, et cetera, and uploaded to the state. And we know with great detail you know, how many kids are in every different school and how many days did they show up to school and what were their test scores in math and did they graduate on time, et cetera. Nothing like that exists. In the early childhood in, in, realm. In early childhood. Right. Uh, and so you really do have to hunt and pack across a lot of different data sources to sort of, to pull together a, a picture of what is what is on the ground today. And I would say, you know, this this was a first pass. Um, there's even more work that could be done. Sure. But if we look at, look across this, uh, you know, we're looking at the in the neighborhood of about three hundred and seventy five million dollars uh, that is being spent in the in, for all those programs that I mentioned in a year. That that is money that is coming from like I said, a wide variety of, of sources. Uh, you've got about 14,700 14, children participating in pre-kindergarten programming, about 7,600 kids, some of them might be the same kid, uh, participating in, in daycare, childcare programming. 15,000 young children in special education and about 5,700 uh, maybe 5,800 in, in the home visiting and the relief nurseries. Okay. okay. So there's you can't simply add those up because some kids are getting a couple things at once. Sure. Uh, sure. And that's where some better integrated data, which Oregon is starting to make some progress on, you could start to see an unduplicated count of how many kids in a, uh, in a particular month are getting some kind of early childhood education where on the verge of having that answer, but don't have it at our fingertips right now. If we look at that $375 million now, what does that look like in terms of projection? Where do we want to be? Where we would like to be is to add about a billion dollars uh, to that $375 million. Uh, so that's a billion a year mm -hmm. uh, in addition to what we are spending now. Mm -hmm. And uh, we stepped through each of the major areas and uh, came up with estimates uh, in two ways. Number one is not every kid that should be served is being served. Uh, and number two, the, the dollars and the quality of the programming that's on the ground today uh, could use improvement. Mm -hmm. uh, so take those two factors together and you get you get bigger numbers. So there's a, uh, I would assume there's a direct correlation between how we think about the number one we want more kids in these programs but we also want higher quality programs can you talk a little bit about getting to quality through these investments we could start with child care in particular uh, there I think uh, uh, an awful lot of persuasive uh, arguments there that uh, those that are working in that profession are not paid very high wages the conditions are not always up to the standards that we would like so if we're going to build that system out you probably want lower 
uh, child to adult ratios mm-hmm. and you want the adults that are working in in the child care space to be better compensated than they are than they are today sure. so that would be uh, one easy example I, I think with respect to the pre-kindergarten as well uh, Oregon is already moving down that path we've got three different lines of programming going on on now with preschool promise is already an example of Uh, a higher quality uh, set of programming. And so this estimate just sort of builds off of that preschool promise, uh, makes a few additional adjustments to that. Since we have existing data on preschool promise and Head Start, we know what the roughly what the cost per student is enrolled, right? right? So can you talk about uh, the cost per in in publicly funded preschool in Oregon, what that looks like now? We have about, as I said, fifteen thousand or so young children, three and or three and four year olds uh, that are participating in in preschool through Head Start, uh, Oregon Pre K or Preschool Promise. If you average across across all of those programs, uh, we're probably spending in the neighborhood of about eleven thousand dollars per slot per year. Mm-hmm. And preschool promise uh, is sitting at about thirteen thousand seven hundred. I think for budget uh, purposes, uh, we put in sixteen thousand uh, for that programming to sort of up the compensation of uh, of the educators, but then also do some additional wraparound uh, services for the for the children. Um, services in, a, in addition to the sort of the education delivery during the day. Which is similar to the approach, that would be closer to the approach that Head Start is taking because they tend to incorporate more of a wraparound approach with the families. R- right, sort of, it's it's actually a little bit of Head Start plus. Right. So right. Uh, Oregon has definitely, uh, relative to other states, has already gone down this this path of, of, of higher quality and broader service than, say, uh, an Oklahoma or a Georgia that's been much more focused on covering a lot of kids but sure. at a much lower cost right. per child. Uh, Oregon has taken the sort of the, the quality approach and trying to build this out in, in a way that ultimately, ideally, has uh, sustained impacts on kindergarten readiness, uh, downstream on math and reading scores, and then on social emotional uh, metrics as well, so that kids are <laughs> kids are socialized well, they're um, behaving appropriately in, in, in big public school settings, they're mm-hmm. engaged with their colleagues and showing up mm-hmm. uh, at school and ultimately graduating at, at higher rates. Right, right. Uh- can we? Can you talk more about what else would be part of that additional billion dollars a year? Because it's the, that cost per student per year may seem high, but there's also additional things that are part of that. There's administration at the state level. Mm-hmm. There, uh, there's a need for greater infrastructure and facilities. If if the program, if those programs were to expand, that uh, we can't just roll that out without new classrooms in many in many right. communities so that that's all part of that would be part of the additional investment is that correct yeah well we certainly have the administrative uh piece uh sitting there with respect to some additional infrastructure uh it, you know as you've alluded to um you know in k-12 we have a very robust uh sort of district level and state level administrative capacity to uh, gather data, to do evaluation, to, you know, oversee licensing and things of that nature. Uh, by contrast, uh, in in Oregon, uh, 
the early lear- learning division at the state level is a, a tiny fraction um, in terms of just the number of bud- the budget and the number of FTE that are trying to oversee uh, this very large and sort of uncoordinated unsystem right, <laughs> of, right. Uh, of delivery. What would building a birth to five system entail? Well, I think right out of the gate, and, and the, the state has administrative data that could help answer this question, is really understanding what is out there now and, and where um, across all these programs that we've talked about. I mean, we have these numbers, and you know, for budgetary reasons, um, individual counties or local nonprofits have sent information back to the state, and this has all been sort of cobbled together to say this. This appear we we appear to be spending somewhere in the neighborhood of three hundred seventy-five million dollars on this mm-hmm. endeavor. However, the state administrative databases do have individual child records across all of these programs. They probably have to be improved a little bit, but. Uh, you know, the first step would, would be to start to routinely organize that information and understand how many of these how many of these children, you know, uh, in in the last five years have been touched by how many of these programs and where. The first step in 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 getting to the system is 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 really uh, trying to organize what administrative data that the state possesses. Uh, what's already known and and getting that on paper and then and then trying to think about how you would formalize that mm-hmm. uh, and and formalize it most likely back into uh, the early early learning division so there would be much more common consistent reliable reporting back on who's being served where and at what cost could we break down could we go through each of these areas that you looked at mm-hmm. preschool child care and just sort of break down what we're spending now and what what we want the target to be in terms of cost per yeah so let's yeah let's step through this we'll, we'll start with uh, pre-kindergarten We've got about uh, 14,600 children being served now at about eleven thousand uh, dollars each the total eligible population and this is a key assumption here the assumption is that this is a targeted program it's targeted to children living in households uh, below 200 percent of the federal poverty level, so twice the poverty level. Right. You've got about 41,000. We make an assumption that if you offered this programming free of charge, you still wouldn't get 100% of the parents mm-hmm. uh, to to enroll their children. That's just always going to be the case with mm-hmm. a publicly provided program. So we made an assumption that 80% okay. uh, of those that were offered would participate. We assigned then the $16,000 per slot uh, cost to that. That came out to uh, $367 million of additional pre-K spending per year in order to pay for that expansion. In daycare, uh, we've got uh, 7,600 children ages zero through their fourth year, right up to their fifth birthday, okay. uh, being served at an annual uh, average cost of about $5,900. There, again, we've got roughly uh, 43, 44,000 families that would be, in this case, below 185% of the federal poverty level. And both parents, or if it's a single parent, are working. So there's a, a work requirement or, okay. uh, involved in that. Again, and these are subsidies. This These is, are subsidies. Right. It's not fully funded child care. Correct. And we set a limit at uh, 7% of income Okay, would be the, the, the most that a, a parent would be expected to pay. Again, made an assumption of 80% participation among those who are eligible. 
and then came up with a sizable uh, sort of a doubling of the recommended cost per slot, uh, which was a combination of uh, upping the uh, upping the compensation of, of child care workers, uh, making some adjustments to the uh, to the child to staff ratios. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also just making sure that the subsidies uh, or the copay that the parent was going to make was not cost prohibitive, right. and that's certainly not the case today. Right, uh, it is at the very lowest levels uh, for the the poorest families don't have large copay responsibilities, but Oregon's program uh, gets gets pretty high pretty quickly. Okay, so you end up with twelve thousand uh, dollars per slot. Uh, there we ended up. When we did all the math. It was uh, three hundred and seventy-eight million dollars in additional uh, annual spend in that uh, ERDC program. How about home visiting? Home visiting was one where, uh, based on the on the nature of the of, of the delivery, there there is an awful lot of local control in terms of deciding precisely how those programs are going to be deployed, uh, which. Certainly has its uh, it, its advantages, but from a from our perspective as budget analysts, mm-hmm. uh, local control in this case means that uh, the information on precisely who's being served by what where uh, was pretty pretty weak. Right. So we've got oh, roughly forty two hundred or forty three hundred uh, children that were being served in what we would call evidence based mm-hmm. uh, home visiting, and then. Um, have been assuming an annual cost per slot of $6,300, uh, which is the the estimated cost per year of the Nurse Family Partnership Program, which is one of the sort of top-tier evidence-based, you know, proved through randomized controlled trials to be effective. Right. Now, this is where some some people get get lost in this. The the Nurse Family Partnership typically runs longer than a year. Okay. Uh, so the, the $6,300 is the amount that would be spent for a child who participates in a year, but you might end up with children that are participating uh, an individual child, 18 months, 24 months. Okay. Uh, so that particular child slot would cost more. We then said that uh, the total eligible population there, and we relied on on some work out of the Urban Institute, I believe nationally, had done, uh, had done some analyses on uh, the potential expansion of uh, evidence-based uh, home visiting. We got to uh, 21,400 as uh, sort of the total eligible population. Okay. Uh, again, assumed an 80% uh, participation rate among those potentially eligible. We kept the cost per slot the same in this in this case. We didn't increase it as we did in the other ones okay. uh, because the Nurse Family Partnership at, at its spending level is producing high-quality outcomes. Sure, um, sure. So, so we're one just might want to at- come forward and make a case that, you know, it could be spending could go up or down, et cetera, relative to what the programming is. But in this particular case, we made no change to the cost per slot. Right. Uh, multiply that all through, and you get uh, $81 million in additional spending. Um, that would be in addition to the $27 million that uh, that we're spending today on okay. home visiting. I wanted to touch on special education as well, mm-hmm. or so we're talking about early intervention, early childhood early, special ed- education. Both of right? those, right. right. So this is uh, early intervention is the programming uh, uh, for children identified with special needs between birth and two, and then early childhood special education is for ages three through five. Mm-hmm. Uh, this information uh, we pulled from the federal government because they are a key funder 
of the programming. So the state has to sort of serve all that data back to uh, the U.S. Department of Education. And there's a mandatory service requirement. It is. Here a, there is the, a mandatory services. Absolutely. Uh, what we found there is that you've got uh, 15,445 uh, children served at an annual average cost between the two programs of about $6,700. <laughs> we tweaked the total eligible population up some, um, not because we have any, we, we have a sort of a pr precise estimate that children are being missed, but there is a, a sort of a common narrative in, in the community that through you know, shortages in outreach or shortages in well visits, baby well visits, that they're, you know, most likely are children that are being missed. That could still be identified, right? That could yeah. still be identified. Yep. So we didn't make mm -hmm. a huge increase there, but we we assume that not all children are being served. So mm -hmm. we upped, upped by 2,300 kids, okay. uh, the number. And then drew some evidence uh, that has been advanced by sort of the local entity that advocates on behalf of this programming, they had come up with some cost modeling that said the cost per slot should be closer to uh, $9,700. Okay. So we upped the cost per slot about $3,000 per kid. And all said and done, $104 million today on that program, uh, you would add to it about uh, $35 million. Okay. Uh, so not a not a huge increase relative to what you're spending today, but that is in large part because we we do believe the the, the large majority of children uh, who are in need of these services are being treated right today. Uh, we don't have the sort of shortage that we do in daycare or, right. or pre-K. Part of that would then be to make sure that the kids who do need those services are actually reaching what the recommended levels of service are because that, that's not happening in many cases today that's right i want to also touch on relief nurseries mm -hmm. if you can talk a little bit about the role of re relief nurseries in this birth to five space uh as well as what you found in terms right. of projections yeah so relief nurseries are, are really uh they are an oregon specialty uh and much more prevalent here than they are in um in other parts of the country uh, but but a a very very early in intervention uh, for children at risk of of abuse um, and uh, an intensive uh, an intensive service. Um, so there we found about fifteen hundred uh, children being served uh, today at somewhere in the neighborhood of a, a seventy five hundred dollar annualized cost. Mm -hmm. Total estimate po uh, estimated population probably double that, mm -hmm. uh, but I w I would say this is the area where, from a budget analyst perspective, um, we we'd want to dig deeper and sharpen pencils sure. a little bit more. Yeah, recommended a a, a cost per slot uh, up to nine thousand dollars from the seventy five hundred dollars, so that uh, when all was said and done. Uh, looks like Oregon spending somewhere in the neighborhood of 11.3 million dollars now on relief nurseries. Uh, we should add to that another 10.4 million, so okay. a rough doubling okay. uh, of the size of that service. Is there anything else in your analysis that stood out that you found we need to know more about? Yeah. So the you know the one other piece that really doesn't exist today is this uh, this concept of uh, parental education and playgroups. Right. 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 So there, uh, you know, we turn to some small-scale programs that exist today that are operating through nonprofits, 
largely outside of any kind of formal state funding or even local government funding, et cetera. There, what we did is we went back to that Urban Institute study uh, that had looked at home visiting, and and they had they they had looked at a couple of populations. One was uh, sort of children in in who had a number of risk and indicators. Uh, you know, they were in a low-income family. Maybe they had a single uh, parent, uh, a host of other uh, at-risk indicators. And then those that had fewer, uh, they said, you know, these are these are kids who could potentially benefit from home visiting, but probably at a less severe dosage than the than uh, the, the than the evidence-based home visiting right. group. Right. Uh, so we put the, we put those children into this space of uh, parental education and and play group. So okay. we ultimately landed on about sixteen thousand mm-hmm. uh, children who could benefit from that. Uh, the programs wouldn't likely last an entire year, mm-hmm. but again, just to do the math, you know, if you if you held a slot open for uh, a number of kids over the co- that, that that a program would run somewhere in the neighborhood of forty forty four hundred dollars okay. for a year, mm-hmm. uh, but probably multiple kids moving through that slot. Okay, uh, and uh, ultimately estimated um, fifty six million dollars uh, would be the uh, total price tag if you had sort of ongoing services for. Uh, 16,000 kids. Great. Well, this is, uh, it's been great to kind of break these these numbers down and get our heads around what, you know, if we really want to move toward an early learning system or more comprehensive programs and services, what that would actually take. We consider that to be an imperative because where, you know, the legislature has been for years is sort of saying, okay, we know uh, we we know that we have a certain amount of services on the ground today, um, and advocates for any number of these programs could come forward and say, "Well, I see the state budget has increased by ten percent. I'm going to see if I can get ten percent more for my program." Sure. And you can do that over and over and over again, but without a vision of where you're trying to get, right, right, uh, it's. Uh, it's just not a very productive exercise. And so you could end up with sort of these very small sort of incremental changes. But really, this, this is a system that if we truly believe in it, and certainly I, I do and Children's Institute does, mm-hmm. um, it's going to require much larger than just sort of your average increase in the, in the budget. If we're going to build this system out, right. Right. Uh, if the budget's going up by 10%, this is going to need a multiple of that uh, for this system to, to, to come out of its relatively small scale and into something that is um, uh, much larger, but still in this estimate targeted, uh, targeted uh, to low-income families. Thank you, John. It's been great talking with you today. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. This is the Early Link Podcast brought to you by Children's Institute. Children's Institute is working to ensure a strong beginning for Oregon's children. If you have a moment, please subscribe to our podcast. We've just recently been added to Spotify, and you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can also find episodes on our website at childinst.org.